before we get started i want to tell you about another podcast i think you will love it's called subtitle hosts kavita pille and patrick cox tell stories about language and what it means to us and it is so incredible so what do they talk about why do we favor certain accents over others and this is so important because this is something that we are going to talk about today on our episode as well do polyglots have special skills is the humor of bilingual comedians the same in both languages subtitle is launching a new season with stories coming up about notorious names you'll hear from diyate ivanka as well as an episode tracing the history of a to z yep the latin alphabet So be sure to subscribe to subtitle stories about languages and people who speak them. A few weeks back I brought up the topic of accent bias on our social media pages. I talked about how I was initially worried about whether my accent would be an obstacle in launching a podcast. The way I see it, accent bias is pretty much everywhere and it is perpetuated through American pop culture. For instance, I'm sure a lot of you remember Apu from The Simpsons. Thank you for coming. I'll see you in hell. You see, whether igloo, hut, or lean-to, or a geodesic dome, there's no structure I have been to which I'd rather call my home. Hello! Ha! When I first arrived, you were all such jerks, but now I've come to love your quirks. Maggie with her eyes so bright, Marge with hair by Frank Lloyd Wright, Lisa can philosophize, Bart's adept at spinning lies, Homer's a delightful fella, sorry about the salmonella. <laughs> That's okay. Ah! Who needs the quickie mark? Now here's the tricky part. Yeah, that one. Now Apu is a quintessential stereotypical character based on a white person's interpretation of what an Indian should sound like or sounds like. Now there's no denying that Apu was funny, but the problem is that most of us were laughing at Apu rather than laughing with him. The character may have appeared harmless, but it caused a lot of distress to people who were already struggling to assimilate or kids of immigrants who were perpetually bullied in schools to be honest it's not just the media even ai has an accent bias i can go on and on about how apple siri continues to discipline me to speak a certain way so do google home and alexa now apple and others do claim to have inclusive ai voice recognition systems but i don't think that is true but coming back to my social media post we had a tremendous response from y'all on this topic so many of you chimed in on the conversation on the different aspects of accent bias and many of you expressed interest in hearing an episode on the topic well ask and you shall receive Our guest today is someone who is sure to bring an expansive perspective on the topic of accent bias. Professor Rahul Chakraborty is a licensed speech language pathologist who teaches at California State University Fullerton 
in the Communication Sciences and Disorders Department. As a linguist, his research has been featured in a multitude of scholarly journals. You're listening to Immigrantly. I am your host, Sadia Khan. These kids, in a very subtle manner, when they are speaking English to you, they might allow more of their first language, if at all there is any remnant first language left in them, with you. So they will sound little different with you. Listen to them when they are talking to a person who was born and brought up here in America. Thank you, Rahul, for coming on Immigrantly. I am so excited to have this particular conversation with you. Thank you very much, Sadia. So what we are going to talk about today is so intrinsic to who I am and how I view myself. So it is personal. But before we dive in, can you tell us about how you entered the world of linguistics? I was a student of speech and hearing science in Mumbai, India. Hmm. And of course, I was dealing with kids and adults with communication disorders, speech and hearing both. Then one of my teachers, who was a linguist from JNU, I got very, very motivated to understand the intricacies of language and how each and every word or sound in different combination mm. can evoke all sets of biochemical responses within us. For example, you hear a single word, you start crying. You hear another set of sounds concatenated together, you mm. feel raged, you feel loved. These are biochemical responses that are happening. So I was very curious to understand the so-called power behind those acoustic signals so that's how it started. Hmm. And then, of course, the psycholinguistic part was an integral part of everything. And how did you end up in the U.S.? So once I finished my master's in linguistics from Bombay University, I um, started doing some social work, awareness work. Then I came here to Purdue hmm. to do my doctoral degree in speech physiology with a special interest in cross-linguistic interaction where one language can influence another language and back and forth, how that interaction goes and how that is reflected in our muscle movement. Hmm. So that area of science motivated me to come here and do my PhD. Let's talk about the accent bias. That's something that I have recently become more aware of, although I would say this, I am very proud of my accent. I don't have any issues with it, but I didn't realize how it impacted my interactions with other people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like before we talk about accent bias in general, we need to address the fact that much of our framework of the conversation is because English as a language has this global linguistic cloud, right? Um, and I assume that is the result of colonialism and imperialism. In your opinion, Rahul, do you think there are certain accent privileges that are tied to specific languages that have an easier time pronouncing English or being phonetically close or closer to English language? For instance, people from Western Europe or European population in general, they, they have an accent privilege. It is sensitive to where you are 
geographically located hmm. at that particular point in time a hmm. where you are and who are you surrounded with the kind of people their socioeconomic class okay and in addition to that as you have mentioned the history of colonization people coming from india versus another person speaking english from italy person speaking english from italy with a very distinct influence of their mother tongue on english will probably get more exotic advantageous <laughs> look yeah. from even a person in the film industry even a person from the media industry but remember these are anecdote in some of my papers i have mentioned that some social scientists they have mentioned it extensively that yes indeed it's highly variable and that variability is not probably exclusively related to the history it could also be related to the economic status of that particular country at this point in time how closely that particular country is uh, related to the powerful country for example if i am one of those american powerhouse and i am viewing person from a country with whom we enjoy a very good affiliation versus mm. if i am conflicted with that particular country those factors do influence my overall perception on that particular accent how much do you think ethnocentrism plays a role in this ethnocentrism as of today where i am with my understanding of human behavior human linguistic behavior and its consequences i feel it's the one of the fundamental pillars behind all these biases prejudices and um discriminatory attitudes because the moment i start looking at my self my attire my accent my food habit as this is the best this should be the reference if you are not doing the way i am doing grooming the way i am grooming speaking the way i am speaking hmm. then you are not you are of course outside my group but um that's not appropriate and that has created enough disturbance disturbances rather throughout the globe accent is one of these things which could be operated under a very smart veil exactly and i want to dig deep and talk a little bit about accent bias especially as it pertains to immigrants because what i've noticed is that in the us when people hear an accent it brings up these personal assumptions about the culture the person comes from and what baffles me is this default setting of americans that if you have an accent then you're somehow less intelligent there is this hierarchy of accents in the us british accent being on top and this is all observational for me i don't have statistics to prove it but that's why i want to ask you this question so to me if somebody has an accent the way i see it it's because they speak multiple languages right they speak more than at least one language shouldn't that suffice as a marker for intelligence rather than the other way around and where do you think in your opinion other than the factors that you've already mentioned this idea of lack of intelligence being conflated with having a different accent come from 
there are multiple questions embedded in your apparently innocuous uh, question. <laughs> Interesting enough, uh, one of our recent papers attempted to see how people who are apparently sensitive about accent-related biases, they have associated just the term accent with some unrelated social attributes. For example, obese. Can you predict somebody's obesity based on their accent? And interesting enough, we have a set of different, as you have mentioned, a list of different things. People coming from UK are more superior, well-read, well-informed. People from other countries have more criminal intent and so on, not trustworthy. So these are very scary set of assumptions. Hmm. No wonder why we see today that if you look at, even in the US, in 2000, last time I heard, the number of hiring and firing practices based on accent hmm. in an unfair manner, that increased from, I mean, from 77 in 1996 to 400 in um, 2000 or 2002. So uh, that's an alarming number. You do not have any specific law with which you can go to the court. For example, sexual discrimination, there is a law over right. But with accent discrimination, there is not. But here in this country, even though people who claim that, no, they are apparently unbiased, we are very open, no, people are not open. You have a set of assumption, but the problem is bigger because if I know that I have certain areas where I might be deficient, I might be biased, then there is a possibility for me to go and seek some kind of intervention. But if I confident over several generations that what I do is right, I am not biased and I do not have any prejudices, then chances are remote that you will even seek any form of modification to that attitude. And that's what we are seeing. So Rahul, how do we make people aware of their accent bias? Because if it's not part of their consciousness and if they do it as a subconscious act, how do we make them aware without offending them? There is no linear way to approach this particular issue. Part of it belongs to people like me, you, and anybody, because mm. we all have accent. Right. The moment you move from North Carolina to Texas, <laughs> I mean, Texans might say, oh, he has an accent. It might be regional, but uh. that doesn't have probably so much of discriminatory biases. However, if it is international, very non-native to that particular land, then the consequences are very, very different. So people with non-native accent should not feel uncomfortable with their accent. Do you think media has a role to play in how it portrays people with accents? And I will refer to Apu, character Apu from The Simpsons. And there are so many other examples where if you are trying to depict a stereotypical character outside the US, mostly from, you know, either South Asia or East Asia, Africa, there's always this tinge of racism or bias so pervasive in media. And it's it's so ubiquitous, but still nobody talks about it. Yes, agree. Definitely media plays a pivotal role here. Film industry plays a pivotal role, but things are changing. If you look at the film industry, the TV 
more and more series will drop or sprinkle at least one or two characters from south asian countries of course there is a stereotypical concept like doctors indian pakistanis they are doctors right right but people are realizing that this is of value different accent because it has got something to do with uh, its connection to economy if we add one actor or one actress from south asian community the entire community might feel much more closer to that particular project so producers are jumping onto it look at those different movies universities multicultural issues that's a very buzz phrase these days just to project yourself as oh i am extremely sensitive to all those different cultures different accents that's the reason we are hiring more and more people with different colors different accents accent being one of the colors i mean linguistic mm. color all these movements if that happens simultaneously in addition to people who are listener if they realize that okay i will always remain biased there is no doubt about it there mm. are so many websites where you can go where at least i know of one not on the top of my head where that can help you identify if you have implicit bias towards any particular area or not now if there are consequences or if my biasness is interfering with my professional practice and if there are severe consequences i might be way more warned i might be very very cautious about it so upper administration can enforce this grassroots level people can also enforce this for example if i go to a restaurant if i start desperately to simulate native kind of accent mm-hmm. and i land up in the middle versus i speak with whatever comes naturally to me when i started the podcast i was a bit hesitant because i felt like i wasn't sure if people would warm up to my accent right and i've said this um previously as well i am pretty comfortable but i wasn't sure how comfortable my listeners would be has your accent been an obstacle in in your career see there are some funny stories but at the same time i have always been in academia mm-hmm. and in a department uh, at purdue people were very respectful with those variations people at times use the concept of comprehensibility with accent yeah they say that if you have an accent people will not understand you no these are different constructs and we know of so many people you can clearly say they have a very distinct non native accent but they are highly comprehensible at the right. same time people uh, might have a native accent they are not that comprehensible so do not allow people to use comprehensibility as a weapon to discriminate you know this is such an interesting point rahul because there are so many times will where people would say to me oh can you repeat that what did you say han um could you say it again and that in itself is form of microaggression right it could it could be interpreted in a number of different ways one it could be or it might be true that the person is not familiar with this accent so if you just slow down your rate of speech that might help because there have been work 
uh, with fMRI and other physiological measures, for example, in Northwestern and Bradlow, uh, in Indiana University, Tessa Bend, they did some work where they exposed people to non-native accent. And over a period of time, they realized people who are just listening, their perception of those non-native accent, the nature of perception that has also changed. They understand more of them just because they have been exposed to that different variety. So uh, that's our responsibility also, or anybody's responsibility to expose listeners who are not exposed to different accents. And perceptually, there will be modification. There is neurobiological evidence of that. So more exposure. So Rahul, do you have any story where you felt you were discriminated against based on your accent? Um, I will talk about global situation. Uh, in India, yes, there have been regional variations. And I was groomed in a vernacular school uh, where the local language, which happens to be Bengali. Hmm. And so I went to another city where some people said, oh, you Bengalis, you always say these English words in this manner. So this kind of discrimination was there in India. Even here, relatively, I would say I was not because of a number of reasons, because I was always at a powerful position. See, mm. as a doctoral student, I belong to one particular intellectual category. Mm. And Purdue University is very famous, full of Indian students. So we had that majority. When I joined as a faculty member, compared to students as a faculty, you have a power position, right? So mm. even though mm. people were uncomfortable, they never probably dared. Right. Versus if I was... Uh, a person not that in that particular position. Probably it would have been different. But some of the situations where I felt, yes, uh, it is possible because I was talking to one person and it was an official discussion. Then the person, um, after I spoke for half an hour and the person was aware of my positional affiliation, the person started saying, I understand where you are coming from. See, in America, this is what we do. This is how we say certain things. Mm -hmm. You know, in America, this is how we do certain things. And um, so th th that was interesting. Today's podcast is presented by Podco. Podco is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. And I'm so excited that I discovered it. As an indie podcaster, it allows me to monetize my podcast with a flat rate. And so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podco. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And be sure to add our podcast immigrantly in the how did you hear about Podgo section of the application. I have an interesting question for you. Do you use voice rec recognition systems? I do not in my research, but I have some of my colleagues, friends, they use those as a part of their research, acoustic science. So the way I see it, it's AI, right? So it should be intelligent and all inclusive. But sometimes I feel like Siri is disciplining me to speak a certain way. 
or even my GPS is not understanding me. Do you think we have these acts and biases in these systems? Because obviously somebody is creating these systems. Yes, and one of my colleagues, and I'm also involved in that research, it's a South Asian company. They are trying to use all those different variations of one particular language and will use that in GPS. Even Apple, I have chosen Indian accent. So in Apple, whoever guides me, it's a very Indian kind of adult male who is guiding me. (laughs) Ah. So it's a very different kind of experience. So you can choose and companies are becoming more and more receptive to these areas. But once again, only... It cannot be a top-down approach, even grassroots level people. For example, Mm. if you go to buy a a sandwich, there also people need to respect. It all boils down to respect for different cultural variation. Exactly. So I have a question which is based on just an observation, and I'm not sure how applicable this is on a collective level. But I have noticed with second-gen children, I have two kids, whose parents are not native English speakers, there is a slight tinge of their original cultural accent in a way they speak English, right? Mm -hmm. Even if they don't speak their parents' language. Like my kids hardly speak Urdu and Pashto, but I see that. And my content editor, Sarah, told me she has noticed this with many second-gen Korean-Americans. She is Korean-American who don't speak Korean, but don't speak English exactly like white Americans do. Is there an explanation behind why this happens? See, um, there is a, I mean, a technical uh, or conceptual phrase called cross-linguistic interaction, where your first language will influence your second language and there is a reverse transfer. Your second language will also influence your first language. So when these kids who are continuously exposed to two different languages at home and even outside, Mm. they will give you a kind of interlanguage kind of experience. Number one, that's one possibility. Mm. Number two, these kids in a very subtle manner, when they are speaking English to you, they might allow more of their first language, if at all there is any remnant first language left in them with you. So they will sound little different with you. Listen to them when they are talking to a person who was born and brought up here in America. Interesting. At that time, you might see a subtle difference in their accent. So they can do such switch very quickly and even without even realizing that they are switching. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, whether this switch is at a subconscious level or a conscious level. I think for fluent bilinguals, it's very subconscious. Loosely using the term subconscious, not the way people like Freud or Carl Jung would use. Rahul, have you noticed any psychological issues or mental health impact on people who are discriminated against based on their accent? Have you done research on that? And if so, like what, what are your findings? We are doing, we are collecting data for one of the projects, but due to COVID, we had to stall that. Hmm. But um, see, mental health, it's a very big umbrella term. At the micro level, I have seen anecdotally several people, uh, the level of frustration, some people even discontinued their academic program and blaming 
that it's their accent. For example, we are like clinical service providers, speech language pathologists. That's mm. what we groom. Our graduates do that. Now, mm. if a client comes and then the kind client complains that this particular clinician and his accent or her accent is so different, it will not do service to my kid. It might harm my kid. So obviously, the department might remove that clinician or the therapist from that particular position. So if that continuously happening with a person like me, what would that do to me? Maybe, oh, this is not my profession. It's not like right. medical profession where you prescribe medication, even if your accent is different. But if you are offering language stimulation and mm. your accent is mm. different and the child as it is has some difficulty acquiring the language, then um, it's, it's a very precarious condition. So students, human beings, we do get affected. I mean, in the middle of everybody, if somebody says that, no, 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 that's not the way you say it. That means yeah. you are saying that you are wrong. And if it is publicly done, if it is privately done, it doesn't matter. You are attacking me, my entity. Accent is another form of attire. Like what you are wearing, it looks ugly on you. You should dress the way I am dressing. The way I am dressing my speech, you should use the accent exactly the same manner. Then only you are fine. So overtly, covertly, no matter how you say, the recipient will understand it. And if it accumulates over a period of time, you start alienating yourself from the mainstream community. So what happens? You are creating multiple pockets. I mean, there are real economic implications, right? I'm sure people often miss out on job opportunities and other opportunities because of their accents. I mean, something that we may not even be aware of because when we go out for interviews or when we are communicating with other people, we don't consciously think about how we speak or our accents. That's a very easy way to discriminate people because you can always say that other people will not understand you. For example, Dell several years back had removed all the outsource or customer service from other countries back to United States because all the clients complain that they cannot understand anything what other mm. people are saying because they're all those service uh, support centers were located outside. And with reference to jobs, yes, hiring, firing, increments, all the, even there have been reports uh, where people were not offered accommodation because of their accent. Now, these people cannot go and file a case. There is no law to support that. And it's very difficult to prove. Do you think there should be law to do that? There must be. If you have a law for discrimination with reference to construct A, sexual discrimination, religious right. discrimination, if you believe that accent is, or human, their speech is an integral part of their identity. It will be difficult to prove, right? That is the problem. And if you look at the lawsuits, it's maximum lawsuits where you try to submit and say that I was discriminated based on my accent. They didn't win because the people who did that, they can always say that, no, it was not because of accent. It was mere because of merit. Mm -hmm. We decided we did not give. And there are other ways. 
and it's very difficult that's the reason it has not happened yet so i want to go back to the concept of how we measure intelligence in linguistics have you done any research which shows that people who are bilingual or multilingual are more intelligent versus the general misconception or perception in the us it's not only i mean i do not know uh, but the way i do not know how what is your interpretation of intelligence but i i think i am understanding what you are saying but in psychology i am not following it but the basic old definition if i remember correctly hmm. it's the global capacity of any individual to think rationally deal effectively act purposefully right if that is the case then bilingualism or multilingualism or monolingualism verse and intelligence these are separate constructs there is no cause and effect relationship number one number two interesting on a different platform elaine bailey stock she had mentioned that people who are bilingual they have a tendency to protract potential dementia so bilingualism is indirectly an advantage hmm. so that's the reason if at times if you manage to induce bilingualism some people feel and that there is data bailey stocks data there are books uh, which clearly says that it might make initial language acquisition milestones little delayed but eventually they catch up with monolingual mm. people and it has got nothing to do with being less intelligent more intelligent but the problem is how many of us do read evidence based or peer evaluation right do media <laughs> publicize it extensively that see it has got nothing to do with it you cannot even say that people who are monolingual they are less intelligent people who are bilingual they are more intelligent no that's not true either so there is no cause and effect no, period no hmm. these are different mental constructs interesting so i want to pivot a little rahul and ask about something else now the way i see it accent bias isn't only applicable to immigrants i see that with black americans as well and they are discriminated against for using aave we see that you know it seems like there's a standard of what is considered acceptable or the norm it's pretty much rooted in whiteness and white supremacy and what i've noticed recently is that a lot of words that we use especially younger folks who are using words like woke lit on fleek they are basically commodifying black culture or appropriating it without even realizing or giving black culture um due respect or understanding or even contextualizing these words do you see that in your practice and what else can we do to normalize inclusive perceptions around accents at this point in time this is what i'm thinking my field in general we we practice in a certain manner and mm-hmm. there exists conservatism to a considerable extent in any field in the corporate sector in the medical sector in the liberal arts also this it, it is inevitable the more we allow contact language will linguistic lexic individual lexical items will exchange their positions and you cannot stop it however you will only take 
those lexical items, if those lexical items you feel are giving you some kind of mileage in social situation or in right. economic condition, if a word is taken and everybody knows that this word is being extensively used by economically impoverished people from this particular religious group who had a history of A, B, and C, and if it is mm -hmm. not advantageous for me, I'll not rather take it. But if the very next moment one of those famous Hollywood star uses that and that makes him cool and those t-shirts are printed with all those words, it, things might change. So marketing, media, as you have mentioned, they can play a very pivotal role here in respecting language, respecting certain lexical terms and or isolating something. And contextualizing it. I am not against using the terms. What bothers me is the fact that people don't contextualize it. And unfortunately, I've been part of it. Like I've used the term woke and others without even realizing where the origins of the word lie. And I think that is extremely important to do. What do you think? Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, certain words might have originated with a specific semantic domain. In other words, it might have meant some 10 years back only things like A and B. Today, that has spread its semantic domain. The field has changed. Now it incorporates A, B, C, D, E, and F. So mm. over a period of time, words change their scopes, individual lexical items. So that's that historically that has always happened. And human beings are receptive to that. For example, I might feel very, very uncomfortable saying, how was the food? I would say that, yeah, it's it's very different. It looks very, it tastes very different. I have never tasted it. In fact, basically mm. I can't eat it. It's so horrible. But I will not probably say that to somebody elderly. If you ask my little one, my he will say, he, he knows how to be honest. He said, no, it doesn't taste good. Right. And he's very honest. I was dishonest there. So, so much specific to individual time individual lexical items, the way we phrase words and everything, a part of us, we have to respect that. Listeners who are listening right now and probably did not realize that they had or they have accent biases and they want to do something about it. Is there a roadmap? Is there a guide they can follow? What are some of the steps they should take to make sure that they are not discriminating against someone based on their accent and how integral accent is to an individual and what it really means to an individual. I mean, this is what I had applied to myself. And I say that always in class and in different conferences. And it's a very common statement. Everybody knows it. We all mm -hmm. have accents, period. Yours yeah. is different from mine. Does that make yours superior? because there is no reference. And the problem is we think that this is the reference. We all have to approximate that. And as I said, we try to confuse that with comprehensibility. So the first thing we can do to understand whether we have bias or not, ask ourselves, do I have an accent? If the answer comes from inside that, yes, I have an accent, that's the beginning point. If the answer comes from inside that, no, no, I do not have an accent, everybody else, they have an accent, non-native, regional, everything, then mm. we have to do some more deeper work. 
because you are not even willing to accept that you can do something inappropriate. And then there are other resources where later on, if you want, I can send you some links. Yeah, that would be great. You can go, I can see, test yourself to see whether you have implicit bias or not. Hmm. And in the end, Rahul, as a linguist, if you were to define America in a word or a sentence, how would you do that? This is the toughest question I've ever <laughs> It's so interesting. All my guests find this question uh, more difficult than our entire conversation. I can start. Am I allowed to say more than one sentence? Oh, yeah, yeah, you can. I mean, different ways I'll address. I can start with what it is not. America is not a melting pot. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. <laughs> it's not different from any other country that I have seen in my life at uh, a surface level. There might be very, very different behaviors, but deeper down, it's the same. Facilities are different. Medical facilities are different. I am not saying good or bad. Yeah. Academic institutions are different. Uh, the money, the language, all those things are different. But at, at a very ground level, it's not different from any other country. And Rahul, just one last thing. Where can people find your work, research that you've done, any information, any papers that are out there? Is there a website they can go and check? If they go to California State University Fullerton, their website and the Department of Communication Sciences and Disorders, there I am listed and there I have my CV, all those papers are listed there. And um, last, I think, 10 years, I have shifted to accent, accent-related biases. Before that, I was very much into speech physiology. So some of my recent papers directly talk about accent, accent-related biases and why people are so desperate to change their accent. And we shouldn't be doing that, right? It's not needed. It's not needed. You are being secluded because of your... That's the reason I said people use comprehensibility as an argument behind changing their accent, that people will understand me better, not necessary. Thank you, Rahul. This was so good. I had so much fun talking to you about accent biases. This is something that I wanted to talk about for a long time, and I was finally able to do it. And thank you for taking the time out. I know you were busy with your meeting, and there was some back and forth, but I'm so glad we were able to finally do this interview. Thank you very much for inviting me and um, to all the viewers and to you, Sadia, keep doing what you are doing because this is a part of the awareness movement, a part of me, that's what I think. And uh, if you are scared of talking about certain things, chances are remote that you will ever be aware of something. So as Rahul said, next time, don't mask under comprehensibility excuse. Try to understand somebody else's accent. Accent is unique. It's beautiful. It makes people who they are. Don't discount it for them. This was the last episode of season 9. We are coming back with season 10. A lot more interesting conversations. And for season 10, our theme is food and identity. Stay tuned.